Welcome to our Driven series this morning. You probably noticed the modified wing race car out there. Pretty sweet, huh? Another one of Carl Large's cars. Like, he must have a really big garage, right? He's got all these crazy cars. You know, uh, several weeks ago when we first started our series, he had another race car here. Carl raced in that car last night in Greenville at the uh, Super Bowl raceway and won. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So this is, as Carl explains it to me, because believe me, I'm not a race car guy, so if, if you think I know something, I don't. But he says this is a modified wing race car, and you see the wing on top, obviously, and uh, he says it's kind of like an airplane wing, but it does the opposite. An airplane wing is designed to cause, you know, an airplane to lift off the ground. This wing is designed to hold the car down in the curves so that they can go faster around the curves and the wing, the wind resistance, keeps the car grounded. Hmm, interesting. The resistance keeps the car grounded, allows it to move through the curves and get to the straightaway. There's a whole message right there in that, right? God brings resistance in our life to keep us grounded, dependent upon him, and moving through those elements of our life back onto the straightaway. Amen? Amen. Driven. That's where we are this month, these next, this last month and this month, talking about what it means to have a drive ignited within us in Christ. God has designed us with drive, and he intends to remake that drive in Jesus Christ in us. And he intends us to live with a bigger purpose than just getting up, going to work, doing our thing, coming home. But a passion inside that just drives everything that we do. And we've been exploring that over the past several weeks. We've been following the life of Moses. We're going to do the same thing this morning. But I want to talk to you about tonight for just a moment. We've done something unique. We've had a three-week mini-series on Sunday evenings. And we've been looking at a series we called Under the Hood. So the first week, we looked at the unique personality engine that God has given each of us. And we took a profile that night. Everybody walked away with some sense of, okay, this is the personality that God has given me. This is the strengths that I, or these are the strengths that I have. These are the weaknesses that I have. This is why I relate the way I do. This is why my spouse relates the way they do. And it was a great fun time. Last week, we looked at the spiritual gift or drive that God puts in us when we come to Christ. He puts a different drive within us, and we looked at what the Bible says are seven drive gifts, and we all walked away with a profile that helped us know, okay, well, here are my primary gifts that God's given me. Here are my passions. Here's the way I like to serve people. Tonight, we finish up the miniseries looking at one more area that God brings passion out of, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. I want you to be surprised when you come. Now, it will help if you have taken the personality profile, if you'll bring it back tonight, your page. If you've taken the spiritual gift profile, bring it back tonight, bring back that page. If you've not taken either, it'll be all right that you still be here, all right? So uh, we've had a, a great time on Sunday nights. We're going to do that again tonight at 6 p.m. We've done, uh, the first week was cookies, last week was cakes. Tonight, whatever your favorite dessert is bring that. And we've been enjoying some of that too. So uh, that's tonight at six o'clock. And we're getting back to our study here in Moses. We followed Moses on a journey. Moses was born to a Hebrew family, but there was a law in the land that said Hebrew boys that are born must be killed. His parents, however, trusted God 
more than they listened to the king in the land, and they had this baby boy, and they hid him. The Bible says they hid him until they could no longer hide him, and then they released him in a small boat out into the river, and God sovereignly arranged for a member of Pharaoh's family, the king, to get Moses. And Moses, the Hebrew, grew up in an Egyptian household, and not just a household, the palace. He grew up destined to be the one possibly on the throne one day. But Moses couldn't take watching the fact that his people were a slave class. He couldn't stand seeing them mistreated. He couldn't stand watching what was happening to them. And one day his anger got the best of him and he went and he killed an Egyptian who was mistreating one of his Hebrew brothers. Moses ended up having to leave Egypt. He had to flee because Pharaoh was now after him because of what he had done. And the Bible says that Moses lived on the backside of the desert. He was living less than what he was ever intended to be. He was living in fear, guilt, shame. And for 40 years, 40 years, he lived on the backside of the desert until God showed up one day and met with him. And there he redeemed his life. There he purified his heart. There he sent him on a mission back into Egypt to go and set his people free. Moses was a little uncertain about it, but he followed God's direction. And we've watched over the past several weeks as Moses has gone back. God gave him very specific directions. In fact, here's what we saw some from last week. It says, And then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn, so I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. You don't want to mess with God's family. Have you ever had that feeling? We talked about this last week. Have you ever, had the, ever been in a store and you just had this thought cross your mind? What would happen if someone took my child? What would happen if you turned around and your child was gone and you saw someone running out the door with your child? Can you imagine the, the indignation within you, the passion to go and rescue that child and saying, let my child go, that's my child, let him go. All of that and a whole lot more is what's burning within God's heart. Watch what he said next in this verse. He said, but if you refuse to let him go, Pharaoh, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. I'm coming, Pharaoh. I'm coming to set my people free. And we saw this big, powerful truth last week. Here it is. Watch this. The battle for setting captives free begins by confronting the one who holds them captive. God sent Moses back in. He said, Moses, you're going to have to go to Pharaoh first. You go to him and you demand that my people be set free. And we talked about how in our world today, there's another Pharaoh there's a force. There's one who enslaves. It's Satan himself. Perhaps you've had the experience of trying to talk to a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, or an acquaintance, and you've talked to them and tried to explain them some truth. You've tried to explain to them something about the Bible, something about God, something about freedom they could have, and they just look at you like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it just kind of goes right past them. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever talk to somebody, tried to reason with them, tried to help them understand who Jesus is, and they just can't even see it. They've been blinded by the God of this age. They've been held in bondage. 
And you and I, if we ever want to see change happen in a friend, family member, acquaintance, or our nation, we have to do the work of going to the one who holds in bondage first and say, let my people go. I'm talking about Satan himself. You've got to enter in and do some powerful praying to set the captive free there first. Jesus said, no one can enter into the strong one's house and plunder his goods except he first binds the strong man. Then he'll enter in and plunder his house. You won't see a friend, relative, neighbor, or our nation set free until we do the work of calling upon God and confronting the evil one himself and saying, you let my people go. Amen? Amen. You with me today? All right. So then we saw the second big truth. Here it is. We must boldly proclaim the one message that has the power to set the captives free. Moses had a message he was about to deliver to the people, and we have a message we're going to deliver to our people as well. Today, our series takes us to the place where we talk about the captives must be set free. This is our calling in Jesus Christ. This is what we have been called to do. There are people today who are blind to the goodness, the grace, and the reality of Jesus Christ. They are bound up in addictions and fear and greed, anger, bitterness, jealousy. They're they're lost in addictions to things. They're lost in addictions to wrong relationships. They've lost their way. The church doesn't have the influence it once had. The Bible's no longer regarded as the sole expression of truth in our land. Humility and righteousness are no longer regarded with respect and in its place is a nation today that flaunts its sin, that demands its selfish ways, wants its rights, and it hates, and it loves to just celebrate gross immorality. We have a nation today that is bound, that is enslaved, and God sends us, the church, in, like he sent Moses in to Egypt to say, let my people go. And the story gets very personal too. We don't have to talk about just a nation or a bunch of people. You have family members who are bound. You have people that you know and care for who are caught up in some things that enslave them. And you see it. You watch it. You've prayed for them. You've hurt for them. And it's as though the enemy has taken up a place inside their ear and just is continually whispering. And he holds them captive. And you watch in pain. You watch them struggle. You watch them ignore you. You watch them turn away from God. You've come to a place where you're tired of it happening. You're tired of watching it. And as we've been going through this series, you've started taking some steps. You've started praying in some ways that you haven't before. You're starting to remind Satan, you know, this family member of mine is is loved by God. You know, he's been chosen by God. You know, he's been purchased by the blood of Jesus. You, You know, he was meant to walk in forgiveness and freedom. You know, he was meant to serve our Lord Jesus. It's time for you to take your hands off of him and set him free. And you've been doing that. You've started the process already. I've talked with some of you. I know it's changed my prayer life too. And you've all of a sudden recognized there's a new passion inside. There's a new drive that you haven't had before. There's something in that's kind of, you know, welling up within you. And you think, I don't know if I've ever felt this before. I'm not sure I've felt this level of passion and insistence and purpose that I've got to, I've got to see people set free. You're praying in a different way. 
your life taking on new meaning. That's the Spirit of Christ within you. Jesus himself said he'd come to set the captives free. You have within you the very Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So today, we follow Moses to the next place in the journey. If you have your Bible or a Bible app, we're in Exodus chapter 11 today is where we're starting. We'll eventually make it into 12. We're gonna, I'm going to hop around, so don't get alarmed if you see me skipping some verses. I'm trying to get the whole uh, a bigger story this morning than what we have time to cover in going verse by verse. In Exodus chapter 11, we find that Moses has confronted Pharaoh. He's gone to him, and God has told Moses to say, Pharaoh, there's a series of plagues coming. And they did. They came. God brought plagues where the water in the land was turned to blood. And that wasn't enough because Pharaoh hardened his heart. So God sent a plague of frogs, then a plague of lice that covered the land, then flies, worse than Texas flies. The livestock began to be diseased. Boils appeared on everyone. Hail fell. Locusts came. Darkness came. And with each wave of plague, the Bible says that Pharaoh kept on hardening his heart. He kept on resisting. He kept on refusing. He would not bend. He would not break. And he would not let the people go. In fact, the Bible says that he actually turned up the heat. He made it worse for this Hebrew culture. He made them work harder, made them work longer, and he took away their resources so that they had to gather them themselves. And if you've ever prayed for someone who was in some level of pain and addiction and selfishness, and you watched as it seemed like, the more you prayed, the worse the situation got. You ever had that happen before? You pray for somebody, and you think, God, I'm praying for them. Why is their situation getting worse? Why are they more angry, more resistant? Why are more troubles happening to them? It's because of this. Satan does not want to let go. And he will intensify the problem, the battle. He will make it worse when you start praying. But that is your sign to keep on praying. You keep on petitioning God. You keep on confronting him just as Moses did because God was not finished. Even though he brought all these plagues upon Pharaoh and the land, he wasn't finished yet. And God's not finished with those you love yet either. So God brings one more plague on the land. Here's where the passage starts. Chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, and the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterwards, Afterwards, he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. When he lets you go, Moses, he'll be the one pushing you out. Now, that must have seemed unbelievable to Moses. How could that be when he's been so resistant? We go on into verse, the next verses in 4 and 5, and it says, Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, He's speaking to the people now. About midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. Now, this is a different level of plague. You can lose your livestock. You can lose some pets. You can lose your water. You can lose some crops. But there's something different about losing a child whether he's a few weeks old 
or he's many years old, it wasn't just the babies. It was the firstborn in every family. Look what it says next. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals, this plague will be thorough. It will be devastating. It will be dark. And it is aimed at Pharaoh because he has hardened his heart and he will not let the people go. Decimation like you couldn't imagine. Every household affected with loss, tragedy. Exodus chapter 12, there's instructions. And here is what God says to Moses. Now, speak to all the congregation of Israel. Here's what you tell them. On the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for the household. Next verse. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Here in the early pages of Scripture is one more picture of the one day coming Jesus himself. God says, Moses, tell the people there's a plague coming. It's going to be devastating. It will kill the firstborn in the land. But here's what I want you to do on this day, the 10th of the month. I want you to take a lamb. You get a lamb. It must be a spotless lamb. And you bring it to your house. One for every house. Each household, gather up a lamb. Fathers, mothers, whoever you have, gather them up. Gather this lamb and bring it. And you're going to go out at twilight in the evening. And you are to kill this lamb. Everyone, the whole congregation of Israel, it's time. And you bring this lamb and you sacrifice it. Look what the Bible says next. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Moses says, when you kill this lamb... I want you to take the blood, the blood from this lamb, and I want you to apply it to the lintel, the piece above the door. And I want you to apply it to the doorpost as well. Now, to help us this morning, these guys are going to bring out a doorframe for us so that we can kind of get the picture here, so we understand what's happening here, so we get the full effect. You just imagine you're a, a father, you're a grandfather. You're a mother, a grandmother, and you have family. And you've watched as the land has suffered. You've waited as you've cried out to God for deliverance. You've waited and nothing has yet happened. And now you find out that the plague of all plagues is coming. And it's, it's going to be incumbent upon you, the leader, to make sure that you follow God's directions exactly as he said. You gather up a lamb for your household, and you take it and you kill it. Now, 
as it says here in this verse, they're also going to eat it. Now, we'll get into that here in just a moment. When we first moved to Red Oak, you see, I grew up in Oak Cliff. I'm, I'm more city than country. But my dad was, my dad grew up in the country. So the city didn't really fit him as much. And so he was anxious to get back to the country. So we get to the country. And the first thing my dad says he wants to do is build a big chicken coop. So at our house, on the property, in the back, he builds a chicken coop. And he brings little chicks in, baby chicks. Well, I thought, oh, this is kind of fun. You know, I go out there and play with the baby chicks. And those things start growing and growing and growing. And they got to where you couldn't really go in there anymore because they would chase after you. And the roosters were pecking at you and flying at you. And I'm like, I am not going out there anymore. But they'd send me out there to get eggs from time to time. And I just hated all that. I just, I'm more city than country. And so then came the day I came home and there was chicken on the table. It wasn't as big and healthy looking as other chicken that we had been buying. But then they told me, These, this is the rooster from out in the yard. I could not eat it. I, call me a wimp, whatever. I had seen that chicken. I knew it when it was a little chick. I'd run around with that chicken. I'd play with that chicken. That chicken chased me. You'd think I'd want to eat it. But it was difficult for me. To see what I had known now on my table. I just think about these families that had a lamb or a goat. And they had watched it grow up. The children had played with it. And they had taken this lamb or goat and cut its neck. Drained the blood. And then they would go into the house and they would eat it. It would become part of them. But man, their hearts must have just melted, but at the same time identified this lamb was a sacrifice for us. This lamb did what we couldn't do. This lamb was following the directions that God had for it. And we are taking it in to us. So Moses is very specific about what they're to do. They have their house, their doorway into their house. And Moses said, you're to take the blood from that lamb sacrificed for you. And you're to take that blood and you're to apply it to, oh, where am I? You're to apply it to the lintel, to the top. You're to apply it to the doorpost. And this would be a sign. This would be a picture. This would bring escape. Do you realize the picture that this makes, of course, right? If you've been around church, VBS, for any amount of time, you know that what's pictured here in this and this is a cross. We have the early picture of Jesus' blood being sacrificed for those who will enter in. Go on in the passage here. Next verse, it says, Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. 
Now, if Jeffrey Seif, our local Jewish expert and Ovilla policeman were here, he would tell us all about the Jewish history involved in this that, is, that would fill up several messages even just by itself. But here this family was going to enter in. One more verse. God says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. You know, if you wanted to take, do some Bible study on your own, you could go do some research and find that every one of the plagues was in response to a God that they worshipped in that day. And God was saying, you like worshipping frogs? Let me give you some frogs. And God just kept doing that. But here he has this beautiful picture. He has this way of escape. And he says to the people, your, your responsibility is to sacrifice the lamb, apply the blood to the door, and then eat the lamb. And you will find that when I pass through the land this night, you will be kept safe because I'm going to execute judgment. I'm going to bring an end to Pharaoh. I'm going to silence him once and for all. I'm going to shut him down. The one who holds you captive, I'm about to reduce to nothing and you can then be free. Big point this morning. Here we go. First big point. Captives are set free when they know the one who holds them is judged. People that are in bondage today are in bondage because they're listening to a voice that tells them there is no escape. There is no way out. They're listening to a voice that is saying to them, God doesn't love you. You have failed too much. People don't love you. You're a reject. You don't even deserve to be loved. You'll never be anything. You can't escape your pain. Your situation is hopeless. It'll never turn out well for you. You ought to just go ahead and give in to the hate. You ought to just go ahead and give in to the bitterness. You ought to just go ahead and give in to the fear. You should just go ahead and try to get revenge because you're not going to find any other help. Just go ahead and give in to the greed. Give in to the lust. Give in to the jealousy. Give in to the addiction. Go ahead and turn to the alcohol. Go ahead and turn to the drugs. Go ahead and turn to what makes you feel good because there's no hope for you. That is what Satan is attempting to do. And as long as you keep listening to him, as long as you think he has power, he'll keep exercising his dominance over you. Right? You know, the difficult thing is, is that the longer you've listened to him in your life, the more difficult it is to stop listening. Do you know the Bible says that the Hebrews were in Egypt for 430 years? This wasn't just 40 years or one generation there were people growing up, there were Hebrews growing up, and all they had known was slavery. 
All they had known was the horrible voice of Pharaoh. All they had known was fear, and this is how they lived. They didn't know any different. They didn't know they could say no. They didn't have any power within them to rise up. They didn't have any estimation of even that God was for them. You see, they had long turned away from him. It's what got them into this place of bondage to begin with. They had followed after other gods. Their hearts were far from him, and it led to their bondage. And they thought they could never escape. They thought they had sinned too greatly. They thought they had no hope for the future until Moses comes along. And Moses, Moses assumes the responsibility, accepts the call from God, and goes and confronts Pharaoh. And this right here, this was a message to the people that says, Pharaoh is judged. His time is up. You don't have to listen to him anymore. God is going to remove him. God is going to shut him down. The blood of the lamb will keep you safe, and you've got to know that he is defeated. If you want to walk in personal victory today, and you want to help people get to a place of personal victory, then they've got to know, and you and I have got to know, Satan is a defeated foe. He is. When Jesus came here to live... He lived a perfectly sinless life. He followed God, though he was tempted, though he was beaten, falsely accused. He lived sinless life. When he went to the cross, he went as a spotless lamb to lay down his life. And there, he took the guilt and judgment you and I deserved. He took that upon himself, and he died for you and I. He took our place. And the Bible says that he did not sin in any of it. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. He was sinless before the Father. And the Father accepted the blood sacrifice as atonement and payment for sin. And in his death and in his resurrection, he said to Satan, death no longer has hold. Your hatred no longer has hold. Your grip no longer has hold. Your words no longer have hold because I have come and defeated you. Amen. Amen. He did. He defeated him on that day. And all those who will believe and enter into that they walk in that freedom. They do. And so the first step in setting the captives free was a reminder of blood shed for sin. You're living in bondage today, Hebrews, because of your past sins. But this right here says your past is forgiven. God is near. His heart is for you. There's a land beyond here. You're going to walk out of here. Pharaoh has been defeated. Mm. Let's move on in the story. See what happens. It says next in uh, verse 13, it says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, God says, I will pass over you. This is where the Passover comes from. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When you put the blood on your door and you enter in and you go inside and close your door, 
then you are safe. Judgment may fall on all others, but because you are under the blood and inside the house of the lamb, you are safe. You are protected. You have nothing to fear. You don't have to wonder if Pharaoh's going to come get you. God's going to come get him. You don't have to wonder if guards are going to come get you. God will protect you. And the blood is what keeps you safe. It's what keeps you secure. And you enter into this place that says, I am loved by God. I am secure in him. I don't have to fear anymore. And I know there's escape coming. And they had to enter in. And I'm sure as they entered in that night, there might have been some children. There might have been families where the children were saying, what, there's a death angel coming? How do we know we're going to be safe? How do we know nothing's going to happen to us? And I'm sure some wise father said, son, we are covered by the blood of the lamb for us. And God says if we will enter in to the blood of the lamb, then we will be safe. He will remove the judgment from us. He will not come and judge us. In fact, instead, he's going to bless us. He's going to lead us out. He's going to take us to a new land, son. You can rest. You're inside the house of the lamb with the blood spilt for you. That's good news, amen? Amen. You enter in. You know, the same truth is available for us today. We can enter in to Jesus Christ and find freedom and release. People that are held in bondage today, I know we like to say, well, they're in bondage to alcohol. They're in bondage to drugs. They're in bondage to, uh, just name it. We could put a list together of things. And we like to think the thing is the bondage, but watch this. That's not what holds people in bondage. It is merely the symptom. It's the outworking what has them in bondage is a voice from Satan that says, you're never going to amount to anything. God doesn't love you. You should be very afraid. You know he holds your sins against you. You see, what holds people in bondage today is fear, guilt, condemnation, shame, anger, hatred, bitterness, all those things that are in their past, all those things that they haven't brought to the cross yet, all those things cry out. And somebody that's just overwhelmed with fear, for example, they are going to look for something to relieve that pain. Somebody that's eat up with bondage and anger and hatred and resentment toward others, they're going to be looking for some way to relieve that pain, and they'll turn to some symptom for it. When Moses said, enter in and you will be safe, he was proclaiming the same truth that Jesus said, if you will enter into me, I will set you free. Faith is the victory. It is when you enter in to Christ and you begin to apply this blood to your life and you say, okay, God, in here, I know I'm loved, I'm secure, I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, my life is redeemed then you begin to find hope and peace for your life and you escape the bondage of the one that is outside. Still with me this morning? 
Let's go on in the passage here. Later on it says, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. And there was not a house where there was not one dead. And it came to pass on that very same night that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. That night, families entered in. And that night, the death angel came and brought judgment. And it says that those who were inside were free from judgment. But the next time, the very same day, this passage says, the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Next big point for us today is this. Captives are set free when they boldly walk out in God's promises. You see, it's one thing to enter in and be safe and secure. Say, okay, God, I'm in you. I've, I've believed on Jesus Christ. I've called upon him. I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I'm in him. Thank you, God. But there came a time, in fact, the very next day, where the children of Israel couldn't stay in the house any longer. If they wanted to escape, they were going to have to step out of where they had been. They had been in and were secure. Now they were going to have to step out, and they were going to have to step out in the confidence of the blood shed for them. Because when they stepped out, guess what they were doing? They were walking back out into the land and culture and voices that said, you're a slave. What are you doing? Get over here. Do what I say. You're just a slave in this land. You've got no business exercising your rights. You've got no business leaving here. That was all going to happen. And so they were going to have to walk out of their house under the confidence of the blood because when they stepped out and someone said, what are you doing? You're a slave. Get over here. They were going to have to say, no, I'm not. I'm not listening to your voice anymore. You see, I have been set free by God Almighty. Shed blood of a lamb for me. I'm walking out of this land. Get thee behind me. And that's what you do today. You and I, if you've been set free, if you've entered in, then there comes a time you've got to step out. You've got to get out of where you've been. Oh, you're not leaving who you were in Christ, but you are stepping out saying, this is my new home. This is my new identity. I'm one covered by the blood. And so you get on, you're doing your thing, and you're going to work, and all of a sudden someone starts talking down to you and insulting you, making you feel bad, and inside Satan starts whispering, see, this is what you deserve. See, you're nothing. You see, I'm just the one who tells you what to do. See how bad they're making you feel? It's because you are nothing. And all that starts up, you say, hold up, no more. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I'm no longer your puppet, and I'm no longer your slave. I belong to the lamb today. I'm not going to listen to your threats, your lies, your accusations, your shouts, your doubts, or any of it. I belong to Jesus Christ. Amen. Is this coming through for anybody today? Hello. Hey, we're talking about some truth that has the potential to set lives free. This is not just VBS Sunday school talk. This is not just religious empty jargon up here. This is what sets people free. When you enter into who you are as forgiven, love, secure in Jesus Christ, I don't have to look to anybody else for my love and security because this is where my love and security is. Amen? I don't have to look to anywhere else to make me feel good on the days I'm feeling bad because this is where I get my delight from. This is where I get my 
peace from. This is where I hold up, and this is where I walk out in confidence, in a new way, in a new drive. Amen? This had to have created a, a new drive all of a sudden for the Hebrews to think, hey, I'm here and I'm secure. The death angels passed over. Judgments come. Pharaoh's been shut down. I'm stepping out into a new, a new day. Everything looks a little different now. I hold my head up. I'm confident. I'm not going to listen anymore to the lies, the accusations, the threats, the temptations. I'm walking in new power today. I'm walking in new strength today. I've got a new drive all of a sudden. I've got something ahead of me. I'm about to leave this land. I'm about to walk out of this place. We're going to a land filled with milk and honey. We're leaving. We're not going to stay in this place, and we're no longer slaves. Beautiful truth, beautiful new drive given to those who will completely trust Jesus Christ today. The Lamb who poured his blood out for us. Enter in and walk out in confidence. Two ways we're going to apply this today, and we'll be finished. Here it is. The time has come to be free. You might be at a place today where you say, you know, I've been around church some. I've heard the story. But today God's speaking to me. Today God's doing something fresh in me. And I, I'm afraid I identify in the story more with those who are captive than those who are free. I feel bound up. I feel in bondage to fear and guilt and shame in my past, and I don't have any peace, and I'm not even sure what my relationship is with God. And so today God's speaking to you. He's calling you. He's saying, come in or in. Come on and enter into what Jesus has done for you, where there's forgiveness of your sins, release from your past, and there's no condemnation. Come on in where there's new life. And you're saying, well, how do I do that? It begins with a cry from your heart that says, Jesus, I have been a sinner. I am a sinner. But I'm hearing this story today, and I know you died for me. You died to take away my guilt and my shame and my, my sin. And I've never really thought about entering into that. I've just known about it. But today, I totally get it. I want to enter in. So, Jesus, I come to enter into your forgiveness your love for me. Thank you for dying for me. You will be my Lord. If you have a heart expression like that, a prayer like that, the Bible says that when you pray that prayer of faith, that you have been made new. You are born again. You are brought into God's family, and there no longer is any condemnation for you. The guilt has been removed. You now belong to him. Amen. Now, it, may, it might be that you're here today, and you say, well, I took that step some time back, but I've walked in so much up and down, in and out, following, not following, uncertainty. But today, God's speaking to me. It's as though the light has come on and it, it clicks for me. And you may have already prayed and received Christ into your heart, but today, there's all of a sudden a new confidence a new certainty. Your hope is not in your works, your ability to be good, but all of a sudden now you see it's all about the blood shed 
for you. And you're finding your confidence there. And you, you have a heart's cry today that says, God, I have not been living for you. I've been doing my own thing. But today I come to enter in completely. I'm all in to what you've all in for me. Now it might be that you've, you've done both of those things and you're at, a, you're at a, a good place today. But God is calling you to a new level of responsibility and obedience. You, you know about the blood. You know about entering in. But you've done a whole lot more of this than you have this. You've been living inside and kind of hiding it from people, and, and your life hasn't gone anywhere. You're just going through the motions, doing your thing, claiming the blood, but God's calling you to step out. He's calling you to go. He's calling you to bear this, this blood, this name, this passion with a drive to go and see others set free, and it's awakening within you, and it's stirring you. And there's a new drive all of a sudden, but it comes with the requirement for surrender. You've got to surrender your own ways, your stubbornness, your resistance, and say, God, I'm going to step out. You've called me to go talk to a neighbor. You've called me to talk to a loved one. You've called me to share my faith. You've called me to get involved at church. You've called me to get involved with ministry, and I've been ashamed, I've been embarrassed, I've been uncertain, I've been insecure, but today I'm walking out in confidence. I'm going to break old patterns. I'm going to start new ways. I'm going to shake off things that have held me down. I'm going to walk out under the blood and claim the blood for my life. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray and we respond to the Lord? We come to an end of a message. It's our time to respond. It's as though God has put a statement out and ask a question, and now is the time for the answer. Now is the time for the response to, for you to do what God has called you to do. Bow your heads with me as we pray. If God is speaking to you today, if he has spoken to you and you want to come to him in faith for the first time, and you're saying, I've prayed that prayer today. I'm, I am asking Jesus into my heart. Would you just raise your hand to say, God's speaking to me today. Just raise your hand if that's you. If there are others that God is speaking to you today, and you're saying, I'm, I'm coming today to shore this thing up, to make my commitment real. I've walked in my own selfishness in the past, and I'm done with that. I'm ready to step out into the boldness of who I am in Jesus Christ. If God is speaking to you in some other way today, just as a way of evidence of saying God is at work today, would you just raise your hand and just say, God is speaking to me today. God is confirming his purpose for my life today. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word is alive and it is true. That you have provided for us a way of escape. You never intended for us to live in our sin, in our guilt, in our past, in our shame. You never intended for us to walk in condemnation. So you sent your son so we might be free. He shed his blood on a cross for us. He poured out love. He poured out sacrifice. He poured out a way for our sins to be paid for and atoned. And you call us to enter into that. And then you call us to walk out in the confidence of that today. 
Father, you're stirring us as a church. You're doing new things in our hearts, and you're calling us to accept the responsibility of sharing truth with others, to be driven with a new passion that says we believe in what Jesus has done. We acknowledge it is the only way to life. We acknowledge it is the only way to know you, Father. And so we as a church will proclaim that name. We will proclaim the blood. We'll walk in it. We'll be confident in it. We'll follow you in it. God, speak to us today. We're responding to you. And we're saying, yes, Lord. We enter in. Yes, Lord. We're stepping out and following what you have for us. We pray all this in Jesus.